What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. We're back once again uh, here on another Sunday, June 27th, 2021. We're only a week out from the 4th of July. Crazy how fast the summer flies. I'm Jack Vita. We're talking plenty of college baseball, Major League Baseball, and maybe we'll touch on some other sports today. And uh, last week we had a great time. Garrett Powell from The Bachelorette, he returned to the podcast, helped me recap the U.S. Open, talked a lot of golf, a lot of baseball, and he also answered your listener-submitted questions about his time on The Bachelorette, talked about life, talked about faith. It was a fun time. Uh, We're going to have some good episodes coming up soon, so make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, as well as uh, logging on to my website, jackvita.com, and getting on the email list. So whenever I write something, whenever I podcast something, you get it in your inbox. All right, let's get to everything that we have today. I have a man who's returning to the podcast for what seems like the 10th time this year already here in June. Andrew Stem, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jack. It's always good to be here. I've kind of reached a point where I can't say long-time listener, first-time <laughs> guest anymore. <laughs> yeah, and typically, typically Jordan Morandini is the one who's racking up all the podcast episodes, but he's had a busy year, so Jordan's only been on a couple times, and you've been filling in his shoes nicely, but not really filling in his shoes because Jordan's not as big of a college sports fan, so we value both you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I know uh, as we get near the All-Star break here, I know we're going to touch on MLB in a little bit, but uh, he is one of the foremost guys you're going to want to talk to, and I know that you do, about uh, MLB as we get the trade deadline, the stretch run, all that good stuff, so I look forward to hearing what he has to say as we get closer to October. Yeah, I look forward to him being available for a podcast. (laughs) I miss him. Mm -hmm. So, Andrew, you uh, write for the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Really, I can't think of anybody that has a greater knowledge of college sports in terms of well-rounded all these sports than you do. Uh, What's it been like over the past uh, week or so in Omaha? Oh, man, it's been... We'll get to what happened on Friday with NC State. It was uh, a very surreal day. I was actually in the stands, um, so I can kind of talk you through what I was hearing and what was going on. But uh, it's it's been so good to have it back. I mean, it feels like I don't don't know how much of the softball World Series you watched, but, you know, it seemed like the quality of the softball World Series got thrown up a notch. Just and I don't know if it was just because it hadn't played last year, but the games were closer. They were exciting. And we've rolled through here and had basically the same thing. And I know Omahans are, are really happy to have it back. And uh, the quality of baseball has been really, really good. We've had some good pitchers duels. Um, you know, the, the Mississippi State and Texas affairs. Uh, guest Garrett will be happy as Bulldogs are headed to the National Championship Series. But uh, they, paid, <laughs> they played a pair of one-run games. Yep. And the other game they had was tied going on the top of the ninth before uh, Ivan Melendez from Texas hit a three-run home run. And, uh, you know, Jack Leiter threw a four-hitter and lost one nothing because the two NC State pitchers, uh, Sam Heifel and Evan Justice, who opposed him, combined on a two-hit shutout. Um, you know, th- there's been all sorts of high-quality play. It's been really good. The games have been exciting, and uh, it's really, really good. It had been a long 732 days since uh, the last College World <laughs> Series game had been played. So uh, it's, it's good to have it back, and the quality of the baseball has been really strong, and I really hope that... Uh, you know, the, the NC State stuff has kind of 
come to the forefront. I know they were talking about it even on the broadcast last night, and rightfully so. People have questions and and all that stuff, and we'll try to touch on that as best we can. But uh, you hope that doesn't cloud kind of too much that that people will be able to turn and focus here on what should be a very entertaining national championship series getting started tomorrow. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because really what I think you came in on the show on an interesting week. Typically we're always we're doing each weekend we look at all the scores and all the news and really for both of these sports, professional and college baseball, the performances and the games have not been the story of the past week. The main story, and I mean, the performances have been excellent in College World Series, but they've been overshadowed by this other stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, for for people who don't know, um, or are just kind of finding out, NC State uh, had really been kind of a Cinderella story. I mean, they were, they were, they'd had a good team. They were preseason top 15 in most of the rankings, but they started out the season one and eight in ACC play. They were four and nine overall, uh, a little bit disappointing. And then they just kind of caught fire uh, about middle of April and kept rolling and kept rolling. Um, they got to the semifinals of the ACC tournament. They were the second seed in the Louisiana Tech regional. They ended up beating Louisiana Tech twice to get through there. Uh, and then they ended up going to the Arkansas Super Regional and Arkansas, the number one team in the country, ranked. They were ranked number one in all the polls and you know they have the most likely uh golden spikes winner the amateur baseball player of the year in relief pitcher kevin cops he was the sec pitcher of the year sec player of the year uh, the sec pitcher of the year and all that good stuff and uh they lost the first game to arkansas the super regionals are best of three and they lost the first game 21 to 2 and it looked like arkansas was just going to roll through and then they came back and won the last two games and uh, Jose Torres, their freshman shortstop, hit a home run in the top of the ninth off of Cops in Game 3 to basically send them to the College World Series. And then they, they just kept going. They beat Stanford's ace, Brendan Beck. Um, they hit him pretty hard. They won that game 10-4. to Then they beat Jack Leiter, one nothing. Uh, Terrell Tatum hit a solo home run, and they looked to be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, for people who don't follow college baseball, the College World Series pretty regularly, the way it gets set up is it's broken into two four-team brackets, and that's uh, double elimination play in each of those brackets. And then the winner of each of those advanced to a best of three championship series, which is what's going to get started tomorrow. Um, so NC State was kind of in the driver's seat. They were 2-0. Uh, they, got, they won their second game on Monday. They had three days off, a uh, chance to kind of set up their pitching sort of however they wanted it. And, you know, it's always harder when you have to battle back to the losers bracket. And so Vanderbilt beat Stanford on Wednesday in a, thanks to a walk-off wild pitch. <laughs> That and was so an they, insane. That was an insane game, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes, a, a couple of big home runs. There have been a lot of them. The night games, especially, have been uh, something else. All close games and, yeah. and all that good stuff, and they have delivered. So then uh, Vanderbilt was going to get a rematch with NC State, and Kumar Rocker was going to be set to go. Um, he's you know one of those guys who's going to be in the top five, top ten of the MLB draft next month, and. Um, you know, he'd thrown a no-hitter in the Super Regional two years ago. He was, he'd was he come on. He'd been drafted late uh, late in the first round or early second round, I think, out of high school and had decided he wanted to go to Vanderbilt. He was going to turn down the money, and so he was good as a freshman. Last year was his you know shortened season, and then this year he's been really, really good. So he was all set to go, and it was going to be a good matchup. And I got to the stadium about 12.45 for a 108 first pitch and, and sat down, got to my seat, was all ready to go, um, and they started pulling players. Uh, the guys were warming up, and they pulled them off They pulled them off the field. 
went back into the locker rooms and they made an announcement that the game was going to be delayed due to health and safety protocols. And you just kind of start to wonder, oh man, what's going on? Because, you know, there'd been that situation with VCU and the NCAA basketball tournament that we touched on back in March where they uh, didn't have enough guys to play between a a positive test and uh, contact tracing. So they weren't going to have enough guys. So they, so Oregon advanced to that through that first game and um, you, you don't know what's going on. It hadn't really been impacted. Uh, somebody I'd read, one of the, the college, national college baseball writers, had said it had been since the middle of May or maybe early May since the game had been impacted by COVID. So we haven't had, you know, the sport hasn't had a problem with that in, in quite a while. Um, so then, you know, it started coming out that NC State had had some issues and they were running through contract chasing and, and all that stuff. And about... 30, 40 minutes later, so 120, 125, they came out and made an announcement that the game was going to start just after 2 o'clock. So we were excited, all right, this is this is going to be. And then information slowly starts filtering out about, you know, there are some guys in NC State's lineup, they aren't going to be available. Um, you know, they, they, I, I, I didn't see anyone. I don't know um, initially. I don't think they were naming directly who had tested positive. Um, they were kind of avoiding that. And then... Um, you know, but it started to filter out, and eventually they they went with their lineup, and um, you know they were missing I think four or five of their regular everyday starters. They had guys who were um, had six and ten at bats who were playing, who hadn't played a bunch of freshmen, who hadn't played all year. Um, the guy who'd pitched against Vanderbilt and had thrown seven shutout innings, uh, Sam Heifel, was recruited as a two way player, but had had only pitched this year, uh, and he was the starting first baseman. So it was kind of a it was a ragtag kind of lineup. That two of their first three hitters were the same as they'd been in their first couple of games, and then they started moving guys up and, and putting all around. and And eventually, it filtered out that they had thirteen available players. They had nine position players, and they had four pitchers. And the the pitchers the pitcher that they started Andrew. For those yep. who don't know, how many players are they missing if they're only playing uh, thirteen guys? You have twenty seven. Uh, the travel roster for the College World Series. I think for the whole NCAA tournament, but for the College World Series is 27. Okay. So they had they had 14 guys uh, who between positive between either positive tests or contact tracing or what have you were unavailable to play Friday. Um, so they had a very limited lineup. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the photo floating around. It, it's been out there. Multiple outlets have put it. They because they line up on the bases for when they play the national yeah. anthem. And Vanderbilt's photo stretches basically from home plate all the way to first base. And NC State's lineup uh, is significantly shorter because they had half as many players and I think a couple of fewer coaches, and it goes like halfway down the baseline. That was just kind of the the photo that shows sort of the stark contrast of of what they were facing. And so NC State went out and, uh, you know, they battled. They they played really – they they gave it everything they had. Sam Heifel had three hits – against Kumar Rocker uh, in his first three at-bats of the year. He started out going three for three, um, you know, and Garrett Payne, their starter, went five innings, only gave up – he gave up three runs. Only one of them was earned. There were a couple of errors. And, uh, you know, they, they made it close. They made Vanderbilt work for it. And, you know, you kind of figured they, they've got guys who haven't batted all year um, who are occupying the bottom half of this lineup. They've got a guy who's thrown eight innings and his ERA was – above seven hadn't made a start it's you know a bunch of freshmen that's it's not going to be close and they they made Vanderbilt work for it they had yeah. a, they had multiple chances to 
to tie the game to possibly take the lead and just couldn't quite come up with the big hit, which, you know, you kind of expect. And then, so it looked like they had set up a winner-take-all game for Saturday. NC State coach Elliot Avent was uh, hopeful that, you know, if some of the guys who'd been in isolation had tested negative again, that then they could get some of those guys back and they could have closer to what their normal lineup is supposed to look like. Um, and, and they'd be good to go on Saturday. Well, that, well, then the, the other game happens, and, and you know Texas and uh, Mississippi State are going on, and there's a big rain delay. Um, and you know we, the park had also set a record uh, two nights in a row with the latest pitch being thrown. <laughs> because, um, and part of the reason this all happened was that because, and I don't, I don't know the testing procedures. Uh, you know, I'm not privy to that information. But again, they didn't find out until about 45 minutes before game time was supposed to happen, the original 1-10 start, that it was going to be delayed. It wasn't one of those things where they'd find out in the morning, because if they'd found out you know, at 9 a.m. That, that they're not going to have players, they still could have started on time, probably. Um, so this hour delay then ended up causing major issues because there was a storm system that was rolling through. And Texas and Mississippi State got to the eighth, top of the ninth inning, and they were tied, and uh, then as it started raining, and then Ivan Melendez hit his three-run homer to put Texas ahead, and then it really started raining, and then they brought out the tarp, and then the game was delayed for, I think, two and a half hours. And, you know, then the question kind of becomes... Yeah, yeah I, the I went to becomes, bed. I woke up the next morning and saw the... Yeah, you thing. know, the question becomes, you know, do, do, you, do you pull the guys off? Like, do you make them... Like, if they're only going to play an inning, and, and you, you hope they're only going to play an inning... But you know you don't know what NC State's going to or Mississippi State rather is going to do. Like, can they tie the game in the bottom of the ninth? Because the goal was, I think, to try and keep them from having to play two games on the same day. Right. You know they've they've got their setup schedule for for TV and rest days and all this stuff, um, which is you know going back to to Thursday night's game, which we didn't want really to talk about. Texas and Virginia. That game didn't start till almost 10 p.m because a storm had rolled through and they could have played in the afternoon, but the schedule was set to play at six and then there was a storm. And so they ended up playing late into the hours of the night. And really because that game was going on was one of the few reasons I saw that the Cubs completed their combined no hitter. because <laughs> I was up watching the college baseball game and, you know, I had been streaming the Cubs game, but it wasn't until the sixth or seventh when I realized that, Oh, they've got a no hitter. going. So now I'm trying to follow both of these things at the same time. Anyway, trying to, you know, to make a long story long and get back to where we're going, <laughs> they're getting set just before one o'clock. They're going to restart the the ninth inning of Texas and Mississippi State. Yeah, Texas bottom half, right? First. Yeah, I, I think it was still in the top half. Oh, okay. Okay. I think, I think Texas, the yeah. last thing that happened is I think Texas had gotten a base hit. There was yeah, one out. That's the guy right. Got in, and then they, something along those lines. So they, they come back out. And as they're coming out there's stuff there murmurs going uh i was talking to the guy who was there covering it for us uh for the world herald yesterday in the office and he was saying you know there are rumors coming out and they made the announcement the ncaa made the announcement i think at 105 in the morning which must have been when they I, I guess made the decision that combined with the ncaa and douglas county which is where omaha is you know the health uh department uh they'd made the determination that um, Saturday's game between Vanderbilt and NC State was going to be declared a no contest, and they weren't going to play. Vanderbilt had would be advancing to the championship series, and as information kind of started to trickle out, it sounded like there were guys in the dugout of Friday's game who had then 
they must have retested that uh, the NCA assumed that the, uh, the protocols were, you know, once you'd had certain number of players test positive, they were going to test everybody. Uh, certain teams, they'd only been testing those players who'd been unvaccinated. And, and you know, this is just to the information to who they were testing. So they'd done more testing and discovered that there were guys who had been in Friday's dugout who would then turn around and tested positive, whether they were, for whether they vaccinated, not vaccinated, doesn't really matter. Um, so at that point, between contact tracing and everything else, they weren't going to have enough guys to play. And even if they did, the health department, the NCAA decided it wouldn't be safe for anybody for them to go ahead and do that. So there's this very surreal picture, and um, I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, yeah, um, you can find it after the Texas and Mississippi State game ended. The NC State players who were there went out and they took a team photo on the turf at TD Ameritrade Park at about 1.40 in the morning. And then they went back to their hotel. They got on a plane yesterday and flew home and are the first team in quite a while since the advent, at least of the best of three championship series to leave the College World Series without losing twice. They only, they, they only te- they only technically lost once so it's been it was just so surreal to go from you know you know that because they were in the driver's seat now it's like okay you know they're, they're gonna play and well they they maybe have a shot tomorrow and then you know waking up because i had i'd gone to bed before i heard that announcement i was kind of like you um with the texas mississippi state game and to wake up the next morning and and see all the stuff it was it was a similar feeling, but different to what I'd had on on March twelfth, twenty twenty, when everything started yeah. getting canceled slash postponed. It was just very surreal to 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 be there and to to watch it all happen. And you know, you hate for this to happen at any stage of the game, but when you get to the national semifinals and all that stuff, um, it's you know, you're you're sad for the players, for the program, things like that. And uh, it's just a shame that it worked out that way. So, obviously, there are a lot of people who are making their strong Twitter takes on this. A lot of people disagree with it. And I think there's a lot of information that people don't know. Like, a lot of this information isn't out there. Um, What do you... I mean, I guess my question is, do you think that people are kind of rushing to conclusions without having the proper information? It's easy to be an armchair critic on this thing. I mean, it is, you know, it's one of those things people were like, well, could you play it a couple of days or waited a couple of days yeah. to play the game and then kind of see what happens? Um, you know, I don't know how strongly TV plays into that um, or things of that nature. It's not as though they would have had to deal with because Creighton and the College World Series are the only residents of that ballpark. So it's not like some conference tournaments that are played in minor league stadiums where it's, you, you know, you have to get out by a certain date or right. things like that. Or, uh, the state we both used to live in Indiana, they played <laughs> their, um, the high school state baseball tournament. At least two of the classes had their state finals on, I think it was Monday, Monday and Tuesday may have been when they had their state finals and they had a week off because they play at victory field, which is the home of the Indianapolis Indians. Um, the AAA farm team of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And because the way that AAA has set up their schedules this year, teams play each other six times. You play the same opponent all week. There are no games on Monday, 
and then you play the same opponent in the same stadium six times Tuesday through Sunday. So in order to keep the state finals at Victory Field, they had to go through and readjust the schedule and do all sorts of things until they could get in. So it's not like that is one of those situations here. But at the same time, you know, is it is it fair to make Texas or NC State now, or rather Mississippi State, I'm sorry, Texas or Mississippi State, say, well, you guys are just going to wait around in Omaha for a couple of days and we'll see if these, these tests clear up and if, you know, the, you know, NC State and Vanderbilt can play their winner-take-all game, say, on, on Monday. Well, we'll start the championship series on Tuesday or maybe do it on Tuesday and then you go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, then, you know, if it turns out Mississippi State, after they won that game last night, you, know, you can't have them just sitting around for three days kind of just waiting for things to happen. I mean, it would allow them to line up their pitching a little bit better, but, you know, at the same time, just making them sit around. So I don't know. I'm not privy to what all went into that decision making and right. how many players would have been available for NC State. What would have had to happen? Um, I mean, it is, and I have um, on your podcast previously been at the foremost being willing to criticize the NCAA. And it's pretty easy <laughs> to make them out to be the bad guy in this situation. And I think it's just kind of one of those things. It's really unfortunate. Um, but based on the protocols that were in place, I think this was this was the only thing that they could have done. It's incredibly unfortunate, um, you know, and there it will leave people wondering what if, you know, certainly in the research triangle and, and all sorts of other things. And, you know, there are people who are saying, well, I'm, I'm going to root for Mississippi State because, you know, Vanderbilt made this happen, which is, is insane. There are, rumor, there are rumors floating around. I, 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 as far as I know, there's no validity to any of that. I don't think the Vanderbilt coach asked for more testing in the hopes of trying to, you know, make that happen. He's always been the Tim Corbin is one right. of the most stand up guys in college baseball and yeah. would have been at the forefront and say, if there's any way to play this game, you know, we can do it. But then you start to wonder, you know, um, is it safe for the Vanderbilt players and, they were all tested this morning, I think, or Saturday, and they all came back negative. So they're good to go for the championship series, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just really unfortunate. Like, I, I'm sad for the players. Um, you know, I'm sad for NC State's fans because this is, you know, a season that they've had. And you know, in a lot of sports, I feel like, especially at the professional level, you look like, well, if we, you know, we get close, but don't win it this year. Um, you know, there's always next year. And I know that's kind of a line of thinking, but you know, you know as well as I do, being a sports fan for so long, that you know, you can never guarantee that you're going to get back there. Yeah. And to be one win away from playing for the national championship, and then to have it not be able to happen because of something that was, you know, the, the pandemic was out of their control. Yeah. What what happened, and that not going to speculate on on how somebody got sick or whatever. That's that's not you know, we're trying to do, but the pandemic in and of itself was out of NC State's baseball control. They didn't create it. They, they didn't make it happen. They didn't, they haven't made this whole thing. They didn't cause the shutdown for the last, you know, 18, 19 months. And so to have something that's beyond their control is, it, it's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. And I mean, it's college baseball. So a lot of these guys aren't going to be back next year, even though they have the free year of eligibility have to think if you play baseball I mean that's a that's a tougher sport to come back for another year because you're not playing until the spring if you play a fall sport you can always you can just do one more semester whereas you're looking at a full year if you play a spring sport 
nevertheless, I think my reaction is what you going back to what you were saying, like it would have been nice to see if they could have waited just a day or two. I think it'd be a little there'd probably be there'd still be the same amount of outrage, but I think there'd probably be a little more forgiveness and a little more understanding if it came out like, okay, today's game has been postponed because of this thing. We're gonna try to figure this out. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. And then you could kind of put it out there as a possibility. Yeah, like if this if this thing is out of control, they're out of it. But I think the fact that it hadn't it happened so suddenly in the dead of night, you wake up the next morning. I think that's partly why we're at where we're at right now in terms of the outrage and the reaction. And I think I would have really liked to see them try to find a way to stretch this tournament out a little longer. I think the what I was trying to think of as to why they couldn't, like you said, TV in terms of ESPN, probably they have those dates and they broadcast a lot of sports. So that's definitely playing a factor. And then the other thing I was thinking about was if you have fans from all over the country vacationing and buying tickets to these games, now obviously they're not getting their tickets for the Saturday game. If they bought those, they're getting refunded for that game. Uh, but, I mean, you, I guess maybe that's a that, I, that was something I was thinking about. Is if you have people traveling, you don't want to make them come all the way out there and then just sit around for a few days, and maybe they only have a few days to come out there for the College World Series and not watch any baseball. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wonder if they'd... I You hit on it exactly right. The fact that when it got announced and that before there wasn't any... As, as far as I could tell, that from what I'd heard, there weren't any rumors until, yeah. you, you know, late that Saturday wasn't going to happen. If they had said... You know, if somebody from the NCAA had come out after Friday's game and said, hey, you know, we're going to we need to look at this because, you know, there wasn't even, you know, you weren't certain how many players NC State was going to have available for Saturday, how many pitchers they were going to have, you know, know, things like that. If they said, you know, there's a possibility that this might not happen, people could have at least prepared themselves or like if you'd said the announcement now they and. And now, the near as I can tell, they made the announcement as soon as they made the decision. So it was just kind of unfortunate that it happened to be at one o'clock in the morning Central Time, two o'clock in the morning Eastern Time, and and things of like that. But because, like you said, you you know they they were unpre- people were unprepared to find out that this was a possibility right. that was going to happen. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are probably thinking, well, if they could play with the 13 guys, just let them run out there with the 13 guys. And a lot of people don't know that some of those guys may have tested positive or may have been exposed and that it's a little more complicated than the story has been presented to the public, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, you know, and I don't know whether we'll ever get the the full story, whether right. they'll, they'll try to kind of keep that, you know, under wraps and, you know, the... Or, whether how many people even know to the extent of what the the full story is but uh yeah it's just you know you, you your heart breaks for those kids yeah. um you know like you it's said awful. some of those, some of those guys are going to get drafted um you know and and what does that mean for them you know some are some are freshmen some are juniors who might decide to come back if they want to use that year of eligibility but you know, the nature is it's never going to have this team exactly together again. 
because right. it's you're not going to get everybody who's going to decide to do that. And even if you do bring the same team back, there are no guarantees that the situation lines up and you find yourself in the spot again a year from now. And so it, it's just it's I my heart is breaking for them. I am heartbroken for them. Um, I hope that it doesn't overshadow because I, I what should be uh, a really really entertaining championship series yeah. between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a shame for them because, you know, this is a a once in a lifetime type season and to not get to see, not get to play it all the way out, uh, has to be really heartbreaking for them. Yeah. I think ideally what I would have liked to see is see it postponed just a little bit, at least a day and let's see, Hey, we're going to try to find a way to see if we can make this game happen. Um, but I, again, I'm not inside that circle. I don't know. And I think it's hard for us to kind of have our strong takes when there's a lot of information that we don't know. It was a rough week for the NCAA. We had the Supreme Court uh, situation earlier in the week. Uh, but I, I, I want to say something here about Vanderbilt. And I think it's a, another thing that I was hearing. There was the uh, conspiracy theorist that, oh, yeah, well, they just want to put Vanderbilt in the national championship, uh, that could not be more wrong because by not having Saturday's game, the NCAA and ESPN, they lost quite a bit of money by not playing that game. Uh, and it's it's convenient to say that because it's something that sort of happens whenever there's a dominant team is people don't like to give them credit and say, oh, well, they skated by or this happened. And, yeah, you know, maybe you catch some breaks that are fortunate. That game against Stanford was very fortunate that they won that game. Uh, but Vanderbilt, there's another strong take I saw out there. It's like uh, Vanderbilt should withdraw because of, because NC State had to withdraw, which is preposterous to me. Why on earth should they have to do that? Uh, Vanderbilt should not lose out on that opportunity. They fought hard to get here. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. We didn't get the series that we wanted to see here with NC State. But Vanderbilt, sometimes that's sports. You catch some breaks, and they belong. They belong here. It's going to be a great series, and it, it's going to be fun to watch. Jack Leiter, who you mentioned, and Kamar Rocker, who are going to be top 10 picks uh, pretty soon here in the MLB amateur draft. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's not like Vanderbilt caused this either. I feel like, yeah. unfortunately for them, they're going to take the brunt of a lot of people who want to be angry at someone. Like, like when the situation, stuff like this happens, unfortunate stuff like that, like you, you want to be angry at somebody. Right. And, you know, the NCAA is kind of this, I mean, they're not mythical, but like other than Mark Emmert, who's kind of the face and designed to take the brunt of these things, like <laughs> you, you can't, you know, boo, the, you can't boo the NCAA, right? Like, I mean, unless you live in Indianapolis and you want to like go to their headquarters and like start kicking <laughs> the building or something. Um, so, you know, Vanderbilt is kind of that thing. So. Like and it's unfortunate for them because there will probably be a lot of locals who are maybe not just locals but like baseball fans who come to the series who boo or root against them for something that they had no control over. Um, you know, you know, it's not like they asked for. There was no, you know, pl- make them forfeit, declared a no contest, or we're just gonna leave. Like there, there was nothing like that. This is just the way that it turned out. The protocols are the protocols. They've been in place for the whole NCAA tournament and haven't been needed before then. But, you know, it's now 
now, if you watch the games, if you watch Vanderbilt and you hear the whistler, the their their famous whistler who, who whistles all the time and then they clap along and you find that to be annoying. If you want to root against them <laughs> for that reason, there are a lot of people who root against Vanderbilt for that reason. That's that's fine. Although the players on the team don't have anything to do with that either. That's just one guy. <laughs> right. So that may be people putting their their misplaced anger and frustration again. But um, yeah, you know, it, it will be interesting uh, to get to talking about the actual series a little bit, Mississippi State uh, had to use their best their best pitcher last night, Will Bednar, who has uh, 22 strikeouts in two appearances against Texas. Uh, excuse me, and he was great again last night. Um, and he he's been their best pitcher by far. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. So Mississippi State has won a lot of games this year with um, by being able to score at the right time and score enough runs. Um, you know, they beat, they beat Virginia in their, uh, second round college world series game. They scored six runs in the top of the eighth. They were being no hit, had no hit, no hits through seven innings, scored six runs in the eighth and won six to five. So they, they've been very opportunistic and, um, you know, they're going to kind of try and win this with offense. Um, you know, they handed Jack lighter his first loss of the season. Um, when these teams played in the regular season, uh, they, they played a three-game series in, Na- I think it was in Nashville, and Vanderbilt won two out of three. But they have beaten Jack Leiter before, so they, they know that they can do that. But uh, Vanderbilt's going to try and win with pitching. They'll have Leiter on Monday for game one, uh, Rocker through on Friday, so I'm guessing he would be available on Wednesday if it goes to a three ga- uh, third game uh in the best of three series, because at that point he'd have four days rest. I don't know. Um, I don't think Tim Corbin would bring him back on three days rest because he's never been one of those coaches that tries to use arms. I mean, Kumar Rocker is going to make millions of dollars in the draft right. here in a few weeks. Um, and Tim Corbin has never been one to overuse his pitchers. Um, the unfortunate way that the, the tournament is kind of set up and it's, you know, a little bit different from softball because, you know, the arm motion is different and softball pitchers, even though they may deal with overuse as well. Um, you know, you will see a lot of teams who have, uh, softball pitchers pitch both games of a doubleheader and may end up throwing 250 plus pitches in an, in one day and then come back and, and do it the next day. Um, Odyssey Alexander did that a lot for James Madison. G Juarez did the same thing for Oklahoma and their, you know, other, uh, pitchers on teams who got to the College World Series who, who did the same on the women's side. So, but the way that this is set up is that because of the way the days off line up and, and things like that, you sometimes either have to bring, when you get to the championship series, you have to bring your best pitchers back on short rest, or you end up throwing a midweek guy in what could be the biggest game of the year. So it will be interesting if Vanderbilt wins game one, I imagine they would not bring Rocker back until game three. I don't know what decision Tim Corbin would make if, you know, Vanderbilt loses game one and then game two becomes must win. Do you try and I don't even know how much Kumar Rocker would have on three days rest because, you know, college guys are used to pitching once a week. Right. So, um, but Vanderbilt's going to try and win with pitching. And when you've got, you know, two of the, the likely top 10 picks in the MLB draft and two of the best college pitchers out there, um, that's that's a pretty good formula to try and win it. So it should be a highly entertaining series. 
that's uh, what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great series. I w- also would have liked to see, again, uh, I don't know if it was possible to manage logistically, but with this being the outcome, if Mississippi State could have been given a day off because Vanderbilt really didn't have to use any pitching yesterday, that's something that's going to help them out. It would have been nice if Mississippi State could have gotten a day off uh, before we start the series, but we move on nevertheless. And with everything that we have said, the Mississippi State Bulldogs are the official College World Series team of the Jack Vita Show. I'm making my endorsement known. Uh, <laughs> Garrett is. Uh, we we talked about this last week. He said we need you. We need the, we need the show behind our guys and. I say, well, I'm not going to pass that up because we don't. Re- I don't really have any connections to any of his other programs. So, Hale State, let's go, baby. Yeah, they're, you know, um, when Omaha's, because usually the, except for Nebraska's made a few appearances and Creighton has played once. Other than that, typically it's, um, you know, it's Omaha's a lot of because a lot of the people are locals who go to the CWS. There'll be people who come in from all the teams or people who just come because they love college baseball or whatever. But I would guess somewhere around 40% of the people in the stands at any one time, if not more, are just Omaha or area residents. And they will adopt somebody. And for the same reasons they had looked at adopting NC State because they'd never won one, I think a lot of them will end up adopting Mississippi State if they haven't already. Uh, The Bulldogs have never won a national title they finished runner-up in 2013, and I know you just watched the, the <laughs> SEC story about Rafael Palmero and Will Clark. Um, they had some really, really good players. Bobby Thigpen was on that team. Yep. Um, you know, in the early 80s, and for as loaded as that team was, uh, under the guidance of Ron Polk, never won a national title. Um, so this this would be their first. And um, you, know, you got to ask Garrett if he can get you down and get you tickets to Duty Noble because uh, if you <laughs> – if you've not, if for people listening who have not seen it on TV where Mississippi State plays, um, they 14,000 people, they just set a uh, super regional record. They're super regional against Notre Dame. They got 40,000 people to watch college baseball over three days in person. Um, it is something else. They they have fun. They play hard. Tanner Allen is the SEC player of the year. Yep. Um, he had a big home run against Virginia to put them ahead. Uh, we talked about Will Bedner. Landon Sims is their freshman closer, and um, he's been lights out. So if if Mississippi State gets to, and and he's one of those closers, you see it far more often in college where closers will go multiple innings. It's not as established necessarily because you know guys are coming from high school and they're usually generally starting pitchers, so they can go longer. As opposed to kind of by the time when you get into the in the pros that. Most guys, most closes are just one inning guys. Not always, but most of the time. Um, but, you know, if Mississippi State gets to the seventh inning and they've got the lead, they will feel pretty good about their chances of winning the game. When Sims comes in, he can go three innings um, and, and shut it down. And, and he will, if Mississippi State is doing well, he'll be called on multiple times here in the next few days. And uh, if he comes in with the lead, um, it, it bodes well for Garrett and your Bulldogs, and um, <laughs> y- you know, it, it, I just want to see so the games have been so exciting, and it would be nice to get a few more of those. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm hoping for good baseball. I certainly would not be disappointed if you know, Mississippi State won for the first time in school history. Conversely, Vanderbilt has a chance to be, I think, just the sixth school to win back-to-back CWS titles. <laughs> wow. Um, which I know is weird because there would be the span of nearly two years in between it, but since <laughs> right. 2020 didn't happen, they would, they're still defending national champions. Um, and so, you know, Tim Corbin has gotten them at least to the championship series for the fourth time, uh, since 2014. So they're, they're building a nice, a nice little dynasty in Nashville and, uh, it, it should be some good baseball coming up here. Yeah, Garrett and I were talking after we got off the show last week about me coming down there for potentially a football game or a baseball game. So uh, I think both experiences would be a lot of fun. I may have to do both. <laughs> they uh, they know how to have a good time in Stark Vegas. Yes. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And by the way, great game last night. Uh, shout out to Tanner Leggett. Uh, for the walk-off single after Braylon Skinner pinch ran, stole second base, and scored from second base. Uh, great game, great performance from Cole Quintanilla, uh, which I, I love that name. I, and I saw, I think I saw him pitch when I went to the TCU-Texas game because I recognize the name. Uh, maybe it was just because I recognized so many of the Texas names from seeing them. But uh, his name, I really like Quintanilla. It sounds like, it sounds a little like, Jose Quintana and they decided to stretch out his name a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, (laughs) it was, you're absolutely right. It was such a well-played game. Um, you know, the Quintanilla took the loss, didn't give up a hit. He pitched, I think three innings of relief, didn't give up a hit, but you know, there was the hit batter and then the pinch runner and then the stolen base. And I guess he gave up one hit. The the hit to leg, it was the only one he gave up. And, uh, you know, it was just well placed, uh, and I love. Uh, I really enjoyed the video of Skinner rounding third because he, he knows he's going to score. Yeah. He's smiling, he's yeah. like jumping, he's having a good time. But to make sure he touches home plate, he slides in. There's like no throw. He's not going to get tagged, but just to be absolutely sure, he slides in there. Yeah. And, and I thought that was so entertaining, and there was just this tremendous release of joy from yeah. uh, you know all the Mississippi State fans trying to see if this will finally be their year. And again, shout out to Tanner Leggett because my man Tanner, he rips his shirt off. He's not wearing a buzzer. He's not ashamed of what he's got underneath there, Jose Altuve. And it wasn't like he's some, you know, Adonis, some big, huge dude. He just, he ripped the shirt off. And uh, yeah, it it was a lot of fun. College baseball is great. It it is. And, uh, you know, you hope, certainly my hope is that, you know, we get, a couple of good national championship series games here to get people talking about that because the quality has yeah. been so good and you don't want what ha- the unfortunate situation that happened in NC state to kind of overshadow this whole thing because you're trying to, to grow the game uh, and all of that. And, you know, shout out to, to Tanner Leggett, as you said. And in addition, uh, as you mentioned, he lost his shirt in the, the pile afterwards, but for the TV interviews later, he did manage to get it back. <laughs> I, I saw a photo of him with a headset on. So somebody got him a shirt back and, <laughs> and he was good to go, but yeah, it was, you know, that, that as much as, as much as, um, you know, in college baseball is kind of sometimes where you, know, you can lean on your potential draft picks. You know, we talked about Tanner Allen hitting that three run home run against Virginia, the sec player of the year, but sometimes it's the guys, you know, like didn't even start the game at shortstop. He came in and, uh, was a defensive replacement and then, or a pinch hitter and then came in and stayed and played shortstop. And he's the guy who gets the big hit. So 
you know, for, for everything where you count on your, your high draft pick or your all-league selection, your all-American. Sometimes it's the guy that nobody thinks of, or maybe it's the 26th guy out of the bullpen who, who comes up with, with a big outing. So, uh, you know, can talk about what we think to expect, and odds are that what I think <laughs> will happen will not come anywhere close to what actually <laughs> happens over the next few days. All right. So before we move over to Major League Baseball, I must ask you, Andrew, there's been so much sports on lately. There's been some uh, European soccer, which I admittedly have not watched. Uh, I, I tried to become a soccer fan. It just I feel like I haven't been able to fit it into my schedule. Just I prioritize other sports. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we have the European soccer going on. We have the or the Euro League or whatever it's called. Um, what's it called? The European Championships. European Championships. There we go. I was close. Uh, we have the Stanley Cup semifinals. We've got the NBA conference finals. Have you been tuned into all three of these? Have you been? What have you been watching when you're not watching the College World Series? Uh, I will be honest. I, I the Euros have been nice because they've been on during the afternoon, um, and it's something to yeah kind of keep going. That's been good. Uh, I've been watching that. I've been watching the. Uh, Olympic trials we had oh yes actually was was here in Omaha and they ended in the track ones the last day the track ones are going on Uh, I've been following the the NHL playoffs I've been watching typically I will not flip over to the fourth quarter of an NBA playoff game or I won't flip over to an NBA playoff game until the fourth quarter that's just because (laughs) the timing and other things and and normally it was my focus is first on the College World Series, and then we'll kind of go to to other things. And the timing just kind of worked out. But um, you know, and I, I like I I'm awed by the talent in the NBA, but I sometimes struggle to sit and watch an NBA game from beginning to end just because there rises your crests and troughs and and all that stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I can't you know, do fourth, it anymore, the, Andrew. The, I can't. The, four, the fourth quarter is really when it kicks in. So I, I was watching the fourth quarter of Suns Clippers last night. Uh, after the baseball game ended but uh you know i've been focusing mostly on the there i love the stanley cup playoffs like the red wings yeah. are not good right now but <laughs> i i think they're the best playoffs in all sports they're great um so yeah you know you get the handshakes and all that stuff and uh we'll get uh, tampa bay versus montreal yeah uh, so a rare because of the the covid divisions we get a rare eastern conference <laughs> uh battle between the two but yeah i've been watching a little bit of everything um you know it's been so good you were talking about the u.s open with garrett last week and and that was entertaining and nice because when it's out on the west coast it's in prime time and you know it just sort of feels like after last summer where this was you know right kind of at the tail end of where we were before things started getting ramped up and baseball came back for their little pre-spring training and or preseason training yeah, again, summer and, and camp. all the, summer camp and all the the bubbles started happening and and things of that nature. So to go from that now to basically feeling like there is a good sports competition basically on all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like I need multiple screens at, at any given moment, but it's it's been great and I've been taking full full advantage of it. Yeah, you touched on so many things there. The golf, I think golf has been great lately. I love what this Kepka and DeChambeau thing is brewing. I loved, as you mentioned, having it out on the West Coast and having it more of a primetime event. 
Uh, even without Tiger, I think it's been a really fun golf season. I'm getting, I've, I've, my enthusiasm for golf has been high. I'd say I love golf. Um, I haven't played a whole lot, unfortunately, but uh, you don't want to see that anyway. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Stanley Cup. So, admittedly, I I really like hockey. I think I know more about hockey than the average sports fan. But if I'm talking with NHL people like Sam Quiet, who comes on this podcast, uh, typically when we talk hockey, I I I know nothing compared to them. And this season, unfortunately. Because it started so late, I just never really... I, I've been watching the playoffs. I didn't watch a whole lot of regular season, which is typically not the case because typically it gets going in late October and the Blackhawks are playing and I watch a lot of Blackhawks. And this year I just didn't didn't watch a whole lot, but it's been fun. I've been enjoying those playoffs. And I have, I have to say, I've entirely... I feel like I've ditched the NBA. Um, now maybe we may have a guest come on. If, if we have a guest who's a big get for the show and loves NBA. I'll talk NBA with them. Uh, we'll see. Might be able to hook that up before the season ends, but I haven't covered the NBA at all because my interest has just, it's been, it was waning for a few years. I used to love it. Um, the super team thing. And there are a number of things that really, I think a lot of people have lost interest in the sport, but really I think the bubble, when you talk about last summer going into the bubble, the, the players didn't look like they were having fun. Paul George talked about being depressed. That was really the last time I watched NBA playoffs. And then this season, I haven't watched it at all. And I noticed the ratings are up from last year. Uh, now, it's not like the... it's a. I do think that people kind of overhype and act like the NBA is going to overtake the NFL. But it is in a good spot compared to where it was last year where the ratings were really tanking. Uh I've tried to watch. I have because I had heard like, look, the super teams lost. The Nets and the Lakers are out. Um, and it's it's pretty open. You got the Atlanta Hawks, the Milwaukee Bucks in there, Phoenix Suns, Clippers, teams that don't normally win. So I I've tried to watch. I really have. But the thing that I just can't I can't do it because you and I love college basketball, and I think one of the things that we both love about it is there's more of a diversity of styles and strategies and approaches. And the NBA has just become so offensive, offensive driven. A team like the 2004 Detroit Pistons could not win in the NBA today. And that's unfortunate because I like seeing defensive teams. I like seeing different styles. There's no, you know, guys aren't banging bodies on the low post anymore everyone's just lining up on the perimeter and I I've tried to watch and I just can't, I can't get into it to tell the truth. Yeah. It's I'm kind of in the same boat, but I always feel like I kind of find myself tuning in for the playoffs. Phoenix is fun to watch and I think Atlanta is too. Um, so if it ends up being a Phoenix and Atlanta NBA finals, I don't know whether that would appeal to the average NBA fan. I would find that to be thoroughly entertaining. You know, Trey young, not that far removed from, wowing us when he was at Oklahoma and he is he's just kept going for the Hawks and uh guy like DeAndre Ayton for the Suns with his big dunk uh to beat the Clippers in game two um of the Western Conference final in the final 30 seconds that took like 10 minutes to play in real time because of reviews and reviews and reviews (laughs) um but yeah you know Jay Crowder from Milwaukee like they've they've got some guys that 
you know, college basketball junkies like you and I will yeah, find names that, names that sound familiar. Uh, and I feel like they do play a little bit differently. But yeah, it's just it's an entirely different animal. And I don't want to, you know, say that I don't like the NBA. It's just a different kind of basketball, and it doesn't appeal to me quite as much. Yeah. Uh, and then for you know your casual basketball fan who just may appreciate that it may appeal to them more so you know to each their own i'm not going to tell you what sports you should or shouldn't like (laughs) right uh, i i can i can definitely empathize with you when it when it comes to you know finding opportunities to watch the nba difficult i had uh, i did fantasy basketball this year uh fantasy nba and i basically drafted a team of guys i'd heard of and uh that did not work out very well for me (laughs) All right, so Andrew and I went a little long on the other topics, so we're going to give you your MLB news here in five minutes, and then Andrew's got to run. So really interesting week. I'm going to give you the headlines here, Andrew. I'll give you a chance to comment, and then uh, we're going to close this podcast. Uh, We've got our MLB All-Star finalists out, so All-Star voting is uh, is beginning, or we're in the next stage of All-Star voting, so here are your finalists, and I'll also be doing in a future episode, we'll be running through our All-Star picks. On the NL side for catchers, you got Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, Wilson Contreras, AL, Salvador Perez, Martin Maldonado, Yasmani Grandal. First base, we've got Max Muncy, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Yuli Gurriel, Jose Abreu. Second base, Ozzy Albies, Adam Frazier, Gavin Lux, uh, Marcus Semien, Jose Altuve, DJ LeMayhew, Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop, Javi Baez, Brandon Crawford, Xander Bogarts, Bo Bichette, Carlos Correa. Third base, Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado, Justin Turner. We've got Rafael Devers, Alex Bregman, Yoan Mankata, DH, Shohei Otani, J.D. Martinez, Jordan Alvarez. Otani's probably going to win that. And then the 18 outfielders that I'm going to rattle off here. Raul Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Jock Peterson, Juan Soto, Chris Taylor, Jesse Winker, Mike Yastrzemski. We've got Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Byron Buxton, Michael Brantley, Adolis Garcia, Teoscar Hernandez, Cedric Mullins, Alex Verdugo, and Randall Grishik. So make sure you guys vote. This is the only time I'll ever tell anyone that you need to vote. Go out and vote for your All-Stars. Any thoughts on that list, Andrew? Uh, You know, good to see a guy like Buster Posey. You know, the Giants have been resurgent. Um, You know, Buster's a guy to bring it back kind of full circle to the College World Series. He's a guy that, you know, in the the late 2000s was starring for Florida State. Um, so good to see him having success and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there've been a, a few different teams, uh, some unusual stuff and, uh, that's, uh, a nice list of guys, you know, the Astros and have been, you know, picking up as well, just having their winning streak ended and, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it, it should be good. Uh, the uniforms do not look great. Uh, for <laughs> no. for that, and we don't need to get in the aesthetics of it. I don't. Right. I don't like it. I don't know if they were designed for Atlanta, and then they just kind of were like, "Well, let's make oh, the yeah. let, let's make it the Rockies." But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good list. I'm, I'm you know, I, I look forward to the All Star Game. I I hope it it it's fun because now they don't have the the home field advantage. I I didn't really like that, and 
yeah, it, it hopefully we get some good rosters, and uh, it's an entertaining game. Okay, and then we've got Trey Mancini, who beat Colin Cancer, invited to the Home Run Derby. Great story there. Shohei Otani and Pete Alonzo are already, they've already entered their names in, which is some good star power. Uh, Vladdy Jr., Judge, <laughs> Gary Sanchez. I don't know why they want Gary Sanchez that badly. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. have all declined. So if Mancini accepts, which it sounds like he will, we'll have five potential openings. Is there anyone that you'd like to see in that home run derby? Oh, boy. Um, I want to see Schwarber. I, I, I think he'd be fun. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you get a chance to see guys who you know, might not otherwise necessarily make the all-star team but get to go compete in that. Schwarber would be a good one. Acuna would be big-time star power if they could get him. He'd be, he would be fun as well. Um, Matt Olson's having a nice year in Oakland. He'd be a good one. You know, it, I would also kind of like to see a guy like Tim Anderson. I know he's not necessarily uh, who you first think of when you think of home runs, <laughs> but... You know, bat flips and the home run derby is supposed to be fun. Uh, (laughs) Get guys who are going to be out there and have a fun time with it. Absolutely. Bo Bichette might be a good young star put in there. Absolutely. All right. And then Mike Soroka, unfortunately, really horrible story. He has retorn his Achilles. uh, (sighs) Just absolutely awful what happened to him last year. And that Achilles injury is brutal. I had a friend who sort of had a similar he was recovering and just was dealing with it for a few years. This is a huge blow to the Braves, huge blow to Mike Soroka. So my uh, my prayers are for him in this time. Yeah, man, just a brutal injury. Like we were talking about that the other day. Of all the injuries that you can think of, the Achilles is is one of the worst. And to have that happen to him twice now, just absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. And finally. The MLB has implemented their whole sticky stuff. Uh, It's a sticky situation right here in Major League Baseball as they are checking pitchers. And we saw some interesting scenarios going on over the past week with... Sergio Romo basically dropped his pants on the the mound as he was getting checked. Um, It's been... It was a messy first week, and I think it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. I don't think there was any seamless transition that was going to happen with this thing. I'm hoping that as it becomes more of a commodity, we are able to settle in and it can get a little better than what sort of happened over the past week. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking plenty more. We'll do a deeper dive on that topic on my next episode. But uh, just your early thoughts on how the sticky situation is going on here in Major League Baseball. Uh, I mean, once they figure out a better way to implement it, I think it will be okay. Um, you know, it was kind of weird just, you know, pitchers are getting used to it. And, like, is it when a guy comes off the mound, maybe the best time to do it? I don't know. Yeah, just one of those things where the implementation, um, there's got to be a better way to do that. Um, pitchers are getting used to it and kind of where it happens when you do that. You know, is it the best thing to do right as the guy comes off the mound? Um, but, you know, and, and we'll leave you with this to, you know, officially timestamp, but Hector, Hector Santiago of Seattle was actually ejected. They, they found something on his glove. Uh, oh, and, uh, well, Seattle and the White Sox are going on. So, so that's, that's wow. something timely. As, as far as I know, that's the first one since they've started checking. Yeah, it is. Um, why on so earth would you do that? I can't I, I believe he had the rocks to do that. Okay. Uh, I'll say one thing. I think that my, way to improve it would be have some sort of MLB secret service team that you could check the guys 
as they come out of the bullpen, you could go into the bullpen, check them before they come into the game. I think yes. that'd be better than having the ups. Like, because some of these guys said they felt humiliated doing it right in front of everybody. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree that they're they're get a better way to do it, and you know it's a part of the game, and we'll we'll figure it out and we'll adapt, and and everybody will be good about that. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find my writing at omaha.com, and you can follow me along t- at Twitter at astem00. All right, thank you very much, and go dogs. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Always good to chat with you. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation today with Andrew Stem. Always a great time having him here on the podcast to chat, talk some baseball, talk some sports. And, uh, yeah, definitely a different episode this week. Not as much MLB as there normally is. But don't worry, because we'll be back soon with plenty more. So make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Where where are you listening to this podcast right now? Hit subscribe. Just do it. Does a lot of good for this show, trying to grow the audience. Guys, if you like the show, you've been listening for a while, share it with a friend. I would love if everybody just shared it with one friend today. Said, hey, you'd like the Jack Vita show. Check it out. Send it to your friends. Share it on social media. But actually, what I was hearing is that personal references do better than social media references. But hey, we'll take whatever whatever you got. Shout outs on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is. My handle is at Jack Vita Show. You can follow along there. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. Go to my website, jackvita.com. Click on one of my posts and uh, submit your email to the email list. It's another way that you can be connected to me and to the show. And uh, I believe that's it for today. So thank you all for coming. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, if you like it, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That'll also do us a lot of good. Write a little review. Say why you like the show. Tell me what you want me to talk about in the future. I'll read that. And uh, I appreciate the feedback. So thank you all for tuning in. There'll be more sports content soon. Enjoy the College World Series. Until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>